0: After I was born, uh, 1971, so 51 long years ago, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory came out. And if you remember, uh, the beginning of that movie, uh, there's these five golden tickets, and if you open up a Wonka bar and you find a golden ticket, you get to have a tour of Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. And the world goes crazy because this is just the most amazing invitation that you can possibly have. Everybody wants one. In fact, I got a couple of clips from that movie that I want to show you about how crazy people were going in that movie. Now remember, this is an old movie. It's 51 years old, so give it a little bit of grace, but we'll show it. Go ahead. And somewhere out there, another lucky person is moving closer and closer to finding the last of the most sought-after prizes in history. Though we cannot help but envy him, whoever he is, and we might be tempted to be bitter at our losing, we must remember there are many more important things. Many more important things. Offhand, I can't think of what they are, but I'm sure there must be something.
1: They kidnapped my husband 12 hours ago. When are we going to hear from them? What do they want?
0: Try to stay calm, they did it for ransom. All we can do is wait to hear their demands.
1: I'll give them anything, anything they want. All I want is to have Harold back.
0: Go ahead, we're listening. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. What did they ask for? Whatever it is, they can have it.
0: They want your case of Wonka bars. Miss Curtis, did you hear me? It's your husband's life or your case of Wonka Bar's.
1: How long will it give me to think it
0: over? (laughs) Poor Harold, poor Harold, right? Now this amazing invitation, right, to go to the Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, Uh, but you and I, we have a much more amazing invitation. And so I know many of you have said yes to that invitation. Many of you have accepted the gospel. And the question that I have for you right now, could you remember who invited you? Who gave you the invitation? For me, the, the first person who invited me into the gospel was my mom. And I didn't accept it because it was my mom, right? But then I went, uh, I remember in seventh, eighth grade, there was a youth pastor and uh, he invited me into the gospel and I kind of stepped into it for just a little while. and am like, oh, I don't know. And I remember in college, I had a buddy. uh, We were both going to school out in California. And and I remember he brought an invitation to me. He was worried about me because I was making some bad choices. And he said, Carl, I'm afraid you know, you take a white glove and you slop it around in the mud, the mud doesn't get glovey. And uh, there's some problems right now. And then he invited me to a I think it was a Michael W. Smith, a Christian concert. And so I went to this concert with him. And um, I mean, I could tell there was something there that I didn't have, but I was just, I've never felt so on the outside before. Like I had this invitation and I just, I couldn't come into it. And then finally in Fort Collins, then, then I started to seek after God and I went to a church, a vineyard there and uh, Pastor Rick Olmstead actually presented the gospel. And I, and I said, yes. And I accepted the invitation once and for all. And uh, I I wrote him a little note last year on his birthday. Uh, I said, oh, Rick, I'm so glad that you were born because if you weren't, I don't know if I would be born again. Now, who has given you the imitation? And I want to think about this imitation that we have. And, and, you know, I want to change the, the definition of success because a lot of us are intimidated. And we think, well, what our job is, is to get people here. And actually, that's not our job. Our job is to invite them. The Holy Spirit gets them here. And the Holy Spirit is one who draws them. And then they make their decision. And I know that a lot of us are like, well, we got to get them to pray the prayer, right? Now, listen, if you have a chance to lead someone in the prayer of salvation, lead them. Do it. Press in, ask. But you know what? That's actually, it's not your job to get them to pray the prayer. Your job is just to share the gospel with them. I mean, how many people have I saved? Not One. How many people have I even led to Jesus? I haven't led anyone to Jesus. Now, this ministry, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we've seen three, 4,000 people come to Jesus. But the Holy Spirit does the leading. The Holy Spirit does the calling, and they make the decision. Our job is just to give the invitation. And you've got this amazing golden ticket, better than any Willy Wonka factory that you could ever imagine. You have this invitation that you can hand out. And there's not just five of them for the whole world, but you can give as many as you want to as many people as you want. This wonderful, amazing opportunity. And we're in this series right now. It's a short series called What is the Gospel? That word gospel, it's an old English word. It comes from good and spell, which is good story. It's the good story. We have this amazing good story and this week we're talking about the gospel is an invitation into something incredible and who would turn down Willy Wonka's invitation yet so many people are turning down this amazing good story that we're sharing with them and I want to remind you what the gospel is, it is the only way to God, it is the only way through Jesus for forgiveness for our sins. The only way to be truly transformed where you need to be transformed. The only way to spend eternity with Him in heaven. And I know, I know, church, I know churches don't like to talk about hell anymore. And I know it's, it's a difficult subject. But what is, think about it for just a minute. What is separation from God? I was talking to a friend about this earlier this week. And he's just reminding me, it's no hope of goodness ever i mean god is good right to be separated from him is to be separated from all goodness that nothing good will ever happen forever there's no hope of good ever coming but what does it mean to be with god what does it mean to have a relationship with god in him all things work together for good A relationship with God and an acceptance of this invitation is hope upon hope upon hope upon hope and good upon good upon good and victory upon victory and life upon life better than you could possibly imagine, better than you could dream from, dream of. And Jesus, he gives us an invitation to the gospel and he tells us what the gospel is. If you have your Bible, open it up to Luke chapter four and we hear about what the gospel is, the good news. And so this is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he's gone out to the wilderness. He's been tempted. He overcame the enemy in the the desert, filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 14, it says, And Jesus returned to Galilee, in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. And he taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. And he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it. He found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news. If you look at that in the King James, it actually says to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying to them today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing what an amazing moment that 600 years after this word was given jesus says and it's happening right now and he says the word to preach the gospel it's Evangelion, is what the word preaches. And it just means to proclaim, to say it, to speak it with your mouth. And I'm here to speak the good news, to proclaim the good news to you. And then he says, okay, and this is what the good news is. First of all, it's freedom for prisoners. Because guess what? Sin is a prison. And I think the, the clearest example of what sin does, it's, it's sex trafficking. I mean, that, that's a picture that shows where, where someone, either through their own brokenness is brought in or even like forced and kidnapped and and lied to and hurt and misused and broken and trapped and they cannot get out. What a picture of what sin is. But you have to understand that every sin mindset, every single one is a captive mindset. That greed is the same thing that holds you captive and destroys you. And you can't get out. And anger is the same way. And lust is the same way. And Jesus says, no, I am here to proclaim freedom for you. That this sin will not hold you. That there's a way out that you can break free of these things that get, that get hold of our lives. You know what the most frightening judgment there possibly is? It's for God to say, okay, I'll hand you over to your sin. If you insist, if you want to have that way, I'll let you have that way. There, there's no more frightening judgment than that. And then Jesus says, and I've come to give sight for the blind. And he literally does that, helps people to see, brings miracles and healings to our body. But it's also a spiritual sight so we can see God as God really is. We can see how holy and perfect and blameless he is. And we can see our sin for what it really is and how broken it is and what a problem it is and how it does separate us from God and how it must be dealt with. And when we see it rightly, it is the beginning of our freedom because when we see it rightly, we can say, oh, Lord, I need you. Oh, God, I'm in trouble without you. I'm separated from you. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And he says, I'm here to release the oppressed. God, he just can't suffer to have you just stay there in your bondage and to pass these cycles down I mean, come on, did did anyone here get kind of a bad model, a bad rap, a bad cycle from your parents? A bad example? And unless God comes and intervenes, what do we do? We just pass it on. Keep going, we give the cycle over and over again. But God says, no, I've come to release that. I've I've come to stop that. I've come to end that through this amazing good news of the gospel. I've got uh, a story here. I talked to three uh, young men here in our church, and I knew that all of them had tough legacies that were handed to them. And I also know that all three of them are making a different legacy for their family. And uh, we're going to hear from them real quick here. Go ahead and show that, please.
1: My father, well, I found my biological father when I was nine years old. He never stepped in to engage back then, so... It's been two decades and he still hasn't met my children. My father's fear of being fully known led him to undermine relationships to the point of failure. My father struggled with drugs, alcohol, and anger issues. The good news showed me that the same father who's available to Jesus is available to me anytime too. Um, I'm still learning how much he's been fathering me all along through men who have been spirit-led and stepped up when they saw a need. The good news of Jesus showed me that being fully known brought the ability to be fully loved and accepted. The good news of Jesus showed me that I'm worth something and that I can love my children and my wife as He does. My family should be cross-cultural chaos. Instead, God's making us a bridge between nations. Being a husband and a father with our circumstances isn't easy, but when I stay present and engaged, he gets to teach me while he blesses them. It hasn't always been this way, but now my family is committed to being real and pursuing connection and love no matter what. But this family is... (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy and far from perfect, but this is going to be generations
0: of followers of Jesus right here. Come on, isn't that good? Praise God. And that's the good news. That's just part of the good news. Look at what God does. Changes legacies, changes generations, changes families, comes in we find this good news, we find this freedom, and it blesses those who come beyond us, and it blesses our children's children. And here's the thing, is it's not just salvation, and you know what? Salvation is enough, and it's not just forgiveness, and forgiveness is enough, and it's not just heaven, and heaven is more than enough, but it is a walk and a relationship with Jesus every single day. Where we know our Creator, we're known by Him, and we're supported by Him, and we're cared for Him, and we're protected by Him, and we're empowered by Him, even filled with His Holy Spirit for everything that we do. And we have all the benefits that come with being children. This is our golden ticket. This is our imitation. This is the power and the good news of the gospel. Do you see why it's better than Wonka's Factory? Do you see the beauty of what God has done? There's a uh, quote, I actually was researching this a couple of weeks ago, and I, it, some people say that Francis of Assisi said it, but I couldn't, I couldn't connect it with him, and in fact, I'm pretty sure he didn't say it. But you've heard it before, and, and uh, they attribute it to him, but it says, preach the gospel and at all times, at, uh, excuse me, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. And listen, that's part of the story. It's an important part. Lifestyle evangelism is what we call it, Right? And it's important that your life matches up with what you believe, right? Or your witnesses, there's no power behind it. But you know what? It's missing half the equation. It's only bringing in half because there's more. There's more than just how we live. There's more than just being nice and good people. It's like if I were to come to you and I would say, hey guys, God works all things. Hallelujah. There's more. God works all things for good for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. It's like if I I came before you and I said, for God so loved the world. Okay, let's sing a song. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so the Bible says, actually it's more than just lifestyle evangelism. And if you look at Romans 10, it is so clear. Romans 10 verse 14 Paul challenges us. He says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How are they gonna be saved if they don't call on him? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How are they gonna hear if we don't say it? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Listen, you are sent I commission you, you are commissioned to share the gospel. And you don't need my commission because Jesus did it with a great commission, Matthew 28. He told you to go and make disciples, to go and preach. And I'm afraid that Christians, we've been hiding behind just kind of like this lifetime style evangelism. Like, okay, well, if my example goes long enough and I just, I can't think of anyone who's come to Jesus because of my example alone. Listen, that's part of it. But let's look at how lifestyle evangelism is faring right now. I think we've got a slide that shows what's going on with the gospel, the good news. So in 2009, 77% of Americans who are adults would say that they're Christian. 2019, 65%. It is the fastest decline of Christianity in the history of America. And then let's let's look at the other side of it. These are the people who would say that I'm a nun. I don't believe in anything. I don't have any religious affiliation. In 2009, 17% of Americans said that. In 2019, it was 26%. And I would submit to you that, that our approach is not quite working. And listen, your life absolutely needs to preach the gospel. But guess what? So does your mouth. It's time to preach it to speak the good news. And I tell you what, I've decided a number of years ago, I am done holding back. I'm going to tell you because I believe in the truth and I believe in the power and I believe in the life and the consequences are just way too high for me to be silent. But here's the really freeing part. It's not your job to save them. It's your job to tell them. I've told you the story of Spurgeon. It's one of my favorite stories because he was like, I think like probably, if not the one of the very best preachers that ever lived. And he says, and I got saved by one of the worst preachers I've ever heard. And so it was raining. And so he runs into a church in the middle of the rain because he just wanted to get out of the rain. And he said, this guy was just blathering on and on and on. You must repent, you must repent. So it was a horrible, horrible sermon. But guess what? Spurgeon repented and he got saved. Because the Holy Spirit does the work. And on the last day, I I don't want to have to face any of you and say, you know, sorry, I just, I didn't want you to think I was too preachy. I'm sorry for what's about to come, but I just didn't want to be preachy. Listen, I have a goal. I have a real goal for my life. And that is, if you knew me on that last day, I don't want anyone who knows me, anyone who has a relationship with me, be able to say, no one ever gave me a chance. If you know me, I'm giving you a chance. If we have relationship, you're going to find out. I am going to tell you, okay? And you don't have to accept it. You can reject it and we'll still be friends, but I'm going to tell you. And yes, use tact. And yes, use kindness. And yes, use empathy. And yes, think about your timing, but listen, use your words. You know, it's like with little, remember little kids, we say, okay, Carl, use your words. Use your words, Christian. We have to preach the gospel. Yes, you need to live the gospel, but you need to preach the gospel. I was watching um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. uh, the other night. I just found it, right? And actually, I just canceled my membership. So I've got like nine seasons that I have to finish in nine days. So I got a lot of washing to do. And uh, as I, I turned it on, I just, I had this thought right before I turned it on. I was like, if I knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, would I watch this? I mean, not that it's a bad show, but I thought, no, you know, I would turn this thing off and I would get on the phone. I'd be making some calls. I'd be making sure. And I want to tell you, listen, time is short. Time is now. We've got to tell them. I mean, even if we have 30 or 40 years, your sphere of influence, your time with them is short. They need to hear the gospel. And I know we can't, we can't make anyone genuinely do anything, but I can invite them. I can give them a golden ticket. And any chance, any chance that I can see, have you given your life to Jesus? Do you want to? Any chance. Now is the time. And perhaps, perhaps we need a different strategy than, well, I don't want to be preachy. I don't want to make them uncomfortable. Listen, the problem isn't what we're saying. The problem is the motive behind it. I took my daughter... Um, She's looking for a, a new car. So Gina and I went to some dealers with her. And uh, have you ever noticed, like, there's two types of salesmen. And, and there's one salesman who, like, believes in his product. And there's another one who is hungry for a commission. Isn't it so much better to be with a guy who, like, believes in what he's selling, right? Do you believe in your product? You know, if, if guilt is what you're feeling right now, or if you're thinking, okay, I've got to fill this quota, then, then it's all wrong. I did, then I, I did it wrong. But do you care? Do you love those people? Do you know the goodness of God and what He's done for you? Do you want to share it? Romans 1 Paul reminds us, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It is the only way to be saved. It is the power that brings salvation to us, first for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now is the time. Now is the time to make that telephone call. Now is the time to write that letter. You know, I've always thought, oh no, I can't, I can't share the gospel with a letter. And that's not, I got I have to talk to him, I gotta see him eye to eye. But you know what? a um, number of months ago, Robert, who goes here, he wrote a letter to his sister-in-law. And guess what? She believes in Jesus. And she got baptized, and she sat over here last Saturday or this Saturday night. And she comes every week and she brings people with her because of a letter. So guess what? Write the letter. Whatever it takes, make the call. Give that apology. Oh, you know, I I haven't been the best brother, but guess what? I got to tell you something here. And there's a rule in culture right now that says don't you dare preach. But if you look at the book of Acts, there's five different times, five different times in the book of Acts where it says, and they preached the gospel 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 and they preached the gospel. And And what happened? The church grew and it grew and it grew and it grew and the world was transformed because they preached the gospel. And of course, culture says, don't you dare preach. Of course it does. Do you know why? Because if you do, the gospel will go forward. Of course it doesn't want you to say it because if you do, some people, not all of them, but some people will come to Christ and some people will say yes if you preach the gospel. And if you don't, no one will. And don't be a jerk and don't be weird, okay? And don't be militant and don't be like uncompassionate and don't shove Jesus into awkward moments where it doesn't even make any sense, but find a way to say it. And yes, be shrewd and be strategic and be prayerful and be led by the Holy Spirit. But follower of Jesus, sent, commissioned, follower of Jesus. Listen, church, be courageous. Be courageous. If you're going to be anything, be courageous. And there's going to be good times to share and there's going to be bad times to share, but there's never going to be a perfect time to share. You're going to get One, maybe two, slow pitches up the middle in your entire life where someone will say, will you tell me about Jesus? I mean, if you get that, you're really lucky. Swing at it, okay? Do it. But for the most part, you're going to have to bring it up. Listen, when Gina says, "Uh, we need to talk, I never think, oh, good. (laughs) My heart starts thumping, right? And I don't want that conversation. I mean, we need to talk. She's right. But I don't want to do it. Why? It's important, right? Important conversations are hard. And so you might be scared. It might be difficult. But listen, be courageous. And then what do you say? You know, you start here. You start with your genuine concern. I confronted a friend a couple months ago. I didn't even know, but I just had this perception I wasn't even sure, but I felt like I got to talk to him about it. I got to tell him because I love them. And it was, uh, it was concerning sex outside of marriage. And I said, I, I, you know, I don't know, but I'm just kind of guessing. And I'm going to tell you this, I, I'm nervous. I told him, I said, I'm nervous and I feel really uncomfortable, but I love you. And because I love you, I'm going to tell you. And I just told him, I was like, God's way is just better. It's just, it, you just don't want all these connections and everything that comes when we do it outside of God's way. And I don't know if that person changed. I don't know if they're doing it any different, but you know what? They listened and we're still friends. And this is something so important to me. I mean, this is so important to me and I'm sharing it to you. Do you know why I'm sharing it with you? Because you're important to me. Not because I have to meet a quota, not because I feel guilty, because I care about you. Because I want you to have all the beauty that the gospel brings. And so I'm going to give you the invitation, and you can say no, that's okay. And you know what? If they say no, keep being their friend. It's okay. They can say no, and you can still be friends. And you did your part there. You gave them the invitation. It's up to them to decide. But you share your genuine concern, and then you share the genuine plan. And it's such a simple plan. I mean, so many people feel like, well, I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know how to lead them into salvation. It is so, so simple. And so, if you need some passages, if you want to research it a little bit, there's a thing called the Romans Road. Just Google the Romans Road, and you'll see four or five different passages in Romans, and you can memorize those. It's a great thing to have, but you don't have to have that in order to lead someone to Jesus. Or you can look up the four spiritual laws. And that's done by crew. Bill Bright wrote these four spiritual laws, and that's that's a great little tool that you can have. But you know what? You don't even know that. You already know the gospel. You know the good story, the good news. And so I got uh, you each got a little bookmark here, and uh, this is the simplest plan I can possibly think. And I thought, all right, it's as simple as A, B, C. So this you can get. Everybody say: admit, admit. Say believe, believe, commit. Admit. So say that again: admit. Believe. Commit. That's it. Admit that you're a sinner. That's where we start. God's perfect. I'm not. Admit. Believe that Jesus died for those sins and that he rose from the dead. Commit. Give your life to Jesus. I'm going to follow him. That's it. Now you're ready. So you can put this wherever you need it. So if you forget, ABC, really, really simple. The genuine plan, the beautiful plan, the simple plan. And then you know how you do it? Is you bring your genuine story. So powerful. Just to say, this is what Jesus did for me. And you know what the worst that can happen if you say, this is what Jesus did for me? The very worst is they'll say, well, good for you. You No? I mean, that's the worst. They're like, thanks for your story. And see, people aren't people evangelize things all the time. People are telling you all, they tell me all the time about things that have changed their life that I've got to try. You know, I found some oil and I rubbed it on my temples and my IQ went up 10 points. You want some oil? Okay, sure, give me some oil, right? I take these vitamins and I haven't been sick for 25 years. Oh, cool, where do I get those vitamins? I've been chewing on Japanese grass and it's like, oh, I've been so healthy. like, okay, yeah, give me some Japanese grass. As long as it's not illegal, I'll chew on it too, whatever. I I don't care, well fine but listen, if you can talk about your Japanese grass and you can talk about your oil and you can talk about your vitamins I can talk to you about the most important relationship I've ever had I can tell you about the thing that's changed my family and changed the way that I live and changed the way that I think and changed my eternity and changed my relationship with God and changed everything for all time if you can tell me about your Japanese grass I can tell you about Jesus come on Use your mouth, Christian. It's time. Lifestyle evangelism's has gotten us so far and it doesn't seem like it's gotten us real far. Our job is to just give the invitation. You know, one of the things that we say around here is we prayer, care, share. I took that from Campus Crusade too. Prayer, care, share. You can always pray. Just pray for them. Pray that God will soften their hearts. Care, show them that you Care. This Easter, we're going to invite some neighbors and some friends over that I don't know if they're walking with Jesus or not, but we're going to show them that we care. And we're going to share. And we're going to do it a really, really easy way. We're going to say, hey, come to church with us. And then the pastor will tell them the gospel. I promise. We'll share the gospel with them. So we've got some of these Easter cards. There's some up here. We actually are running out of them. And I want to encourage you to invite someone. And if you would, if you have one of those cards, if you just hold it right now, if you don't, just, um, um, if you just close your eyes and if you'd be so uh, bold, everyone, if you close your eyes, you would pray this prayer with me. And just pray this first. say it out loud. Holy Spirit, who should I invite? That's all. Now, Lord, I just ask that you would answer that prayer. Holy Spirit, that you bring a, a name, a face to every person's mind. Who should we invite? so that they can hear the gospel. Lord, a chance to give them the chance. Show us who you want to give a chance to. Lord, none of my friends are going to go, they're, none of my friends are going to die without a chance. Okay, now I want you to do something else and uh, you can open your eyes. Now grab that, that bookmark, if you would. If you could just hold that and I'm going to lead you in another prayer. If you would be so bold, if you would just hold that up, close your eyes right now. We're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit for just a second. And just say this out loud, Holy Spirit, Who do I need to tell? Okay, that's it. Now Holy Spirit, I ask you would show us. God, who are we supposed to call? Who do we need to write the letter to? Who do we need to talk to? Who do we need to take out to coffee? Who do we need to tell about this amazing good news? God, give us courage, give us words, give us strength. Lord, show us God. And I just pray that people would come to know you. And Lord, all those names, all those faces that came to mind right now, and I think some of them are gonna come later this week. Lord, I lift up every single one of those people, and Lord, Holy Spirit, would you please go before us? Because without you, there's no hope, there's no chance. So I ask that you would prepare their hearts, that you would actually put circumstances together in their week right now where they are more open than they've ever been, where maybe they would consider it for a first time, and we ask that you would do that, Holy Spirit. And I ask that you would give us the time, you would give us the chance, And Lord, where we need to just make the chance and make the time, Lord, I pray that you would encourage us. And Lord, we do pray for courage courage to speak the good news, courage to speak the gospel. Because how are they going to believe if they don't hear? So we say, like Isaiah said, here we are, send us, Lord. Send me, God. I'm ready. I will share the gospel. I will share the gospel, Lord. I'll lead them in a prayer. I'll tell them what happened. I will be true, Lord. Just give me the chance. Show me how to do it, God. And I thank you that by your Holy Spirit, it will change hearts. And it will bring them to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys, I was thinking about this this weekend here. And next weekend's important, but I think this weekend's more important. Because if we'll respond, If we will become people who preach the gospel, we're talking thousands and thousands of people who come to Jesus for years and years and years. This moment right now can change everything for so many. And it just starts with that one that you invite. It starts with that one that you reach out to. But I want to commission you, charge you to be an evangelist, to preach the gospel, to share the good news, in love, genuine care, out of genuine concern, but with great courage. God bless you. See you next weekend. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at GraceMontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.